Welcome to Why I Quit Teaching, a podcast where former educators share their stories and experiences of leaving the teaching profession. I am Martita Robbins, MED, your hostess for this podcast. And in each episode, we'll hear from the teachers who have made the difficult decision to step away from the classroom and explore the reasons behind their choices. We will learn the crucial role that self-care, setting boundaries, and overcoming limited beliefs played in their journeys. Join us as we delve into the challenges and rewards of teaching and gain a better understanding of the factors that led some teachers to say goodbye to the educational profession. Whether you're a current teacher struggling with burnout or simply curious about the experiences of those who have left the profession, you don't want to miss this eye-opening conversation in each episode. Let's get started. All right. So if you're just tuning in to the Why I Quit Teaching podcast, you know that this is a podcast where I get to interview former educators such as myself who decided to leave the classroom and pursue other passions. And the main message I want teachers to take away, whether they are currently teaching but considering the transition or they are Um, out of the classroom and they're still navigating through their transition is that it's okay to leave. You have to choose you. And teaching is such a noble profession, but that doesn't mean that teachers should be gaslit into staying there, you know, for whatever reasons, because we we are people and we have to put ourselves first. And sometimes that means making changes that benefit us Um, even though it impacts other people, right? So today's guest is Emily. Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah, so um, I'm from Eastern North Carolina. I graduated from Carolina. I got my Carolina gear on today. Um, Graduated from Carolina in 2017, actually with a degree in sociology. And then I moved back home to pursue another career right around the time the pandemic started. And so I put a pause on my my school at the time and chose to get into the teaching profession. My mother has been a teacher for more than 15 years in our county as well. And so I, I sort of understand what being in a classroom kind of involves and spent two years teaching um, from 2020 to 2022. I was teaching sixth grade math. Um, and then I, which is the point of this podcast, I transitioned away from the classroom. Um, and uh, I spent the last maybe seven or eight months searching for a full-time job that really aligned with my career goals and aligned with um, just my personal goals. And about two months ago, I started working as a social worker here for a nonprofit agency in my community, working um, specifically with adolescent parents and, and pregnant teens. Um, wow. And that's proven to be um very fulfilling. I'm very early in it. Like I said, I've, I've only been working there about two months now, but I'm I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Awesome. Awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, Emily, what, um, what were some things that you enjoyed while you were in the classroom? I honestly, 
you know, for some teachers, this may be the last thing that they say they enjoy. I really did enjoy my students. Um, I, I was teaching a, a very tricky age group. Like I said, I was teaching sixth graders, so anywhere between 11 and about 13 years old. And you either understand those groups of individuals or you don't. Um, I think I was really blessed in my family dynamic. I have three siblings that are actually all 10 to 15 years younger than me. So my youngest brother was in the sixth grade the first year that I was teaching sixth grade. And I think it gave me a really um, interesting, I refer to it as a cultural insight. Um, And uh, it allowed me to relate to my children and my students so much better. And I think it helped with my classroom management a lot because I was able to really genuinely connect with them. Um, But I have to say that that was that was my favorite my favorite thing was building a community in my classroom, um, having a sense of camaraderie with those children that I worked with every day. I mean, those were the people that I spent all of my time with, right? My coworkers were 11 year olds and 12 year olds. Um, and I actually really, really, really enjoyed that part of my job. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what would you say is a challenge? that a lot of teachers or maybe teachers that you notice um, experience that the general public may not be aware of? Um, That's such a good question because I think a lot of people don't think about what teachers experience on a day-to-day. I would have to say just how important communication is in your classroom not only communicating directly with the kids, communicating with their parents, but also teaching them how to communicate with one another. I think that communication skills is something that a lot of people don't think about in their personal lives, in their professional lives. And you're, as an adult, and oftentimes some of the only safe adults that people or children interact with are their teachers. And to be a model for Confident communication, clear communication, healthy communication um, is really key. I actually um, instituted something that I called family meetings in my classroom with my homeroom students. Every Wednesday, we had a family meeting, yeah. and um, we we talked to each other about each other, and they talked about the disagreements they were having in the classroom, and they talked about the things that they were struggling with, um, and giving them a platform and a, and a safe place to practice those kinds of communication skills, I think, is really important and something that a lot of teachers don't consider. Wow. You know, that was really deep. Having family meetings with your students, building a community in your classroom and teaching them how to communicate. Because sometimes our students come to us. I taught high school, by the way. I taught high school 9 through 12. Mm. So so once they got you through with you, they, you know, eventually got to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes our students don't come to us already having that skill set. And if it's not being modeled for them, if if, if it's not being um, shown to them by other examples, then we are often those examples. And from the outside looking in, people may think, oh, well, teachers hang out with kids all day, which is partly true, but we're not just hanging out. We are showing up and showing them how to live life, those life skills, giving them the basics that they need in order to be successful in whatever they do once they are outside, out of school. Completely. Yeah. So a lot of times I work with other women as a transformational coach, mm-hmm. and we often talk about self-care, 
and overcoming limiting beliefs and placing boundaries. Mm -hmm. So as you think about your experience in the classroom and even when you transition, what thoughts did you have? What self-imposed limiting beliefs did you have to overcome in order to make that transition? Um, Well, during that transition, I think I was at an interesting personal age. I'm 27, so I was teaching when I was about 24, 25, which is um, an interesting age to be. You are sort of finishing growing up a little bit and kind of having enough experiences in your life to be like, ooh, I don't like that, or ooh, I do like that. Um, And it was very, it was very visceral kind of at the time. Um, And I think what I struggled with the most was realizing that I am an adult. I think a lot of grownups, I say grownups, you know, still feel I still feel like a young a young girl in a lot of ways, especially whenever I'm trying to navigate tough decisions. I still feel 16. I remember having very vivid moments when I was early in my classroom being like, how am I in charge of 30 11 year olds right now? That doesn't seem like that. (laughs) That doesn't seem good Um, or right. Uh, but yeah, I think it was really growing, growing into that and recognizing the responsibility that I have, but also the responsibility that I was capable of, that I was capable of those kinds of things. Um, and, and making those kinds of management decisions and having that kind of control in my classroom. Um, and, and extending that out into my, my life. I mean, I learned so much. Um, through teaching and really developed a lot of personal skills regarding personal responsibility and communication and, like you said, boundary setting and um, not necessarily not being conflict averse, but just being comfortable with um, expressing myself and my needs and and standing by those things rather than sort of um, giving in or kind of making concessions because I was uncomfortable with that conflict. Wow. Okay. So when we think about that, um, I want to go back to something you said a moment ago. Mm-hmm. I was when I first started teaching, I was also very young. I taught 15 years, similar to your mom, and I finished college at 22, started yeah. teaching at 23, and the students I taught were ninth grade and 11th grade that year. But I wasn't much older than my students. Yeah. Just like you, I was like, I know I'm grown. Like, legally, I am a full-fledged adult. I have a whole college degree. They don't just give those out, you know. Really? Yeah. And and I'm I'm responsible for these kids. Like, my first day in the classroom, I was really, really nervous, but I couldn't really let it show. And I was like, wait, what? And so talking about conflict and boundaries, I'm like, how do I assert myself without coming off as too aggressive? Totally. But but being firm at the same time. And it was a struggle that first year for me, you know. Oh, it's 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 definitely a wild ride. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to find that balance, trying to not do anything wrong and still trying to figure out myself as an adult, like you were saying, figuring out myself as an adult, figuring out this new job and teenagers in the mix. Well, it was quite a bit, quite a bit. And so uh, one mentor I had, 
said that if you can survive the first year of teaching and the 15th year of teaching, then you, you know, you can pretty much um, do anything. And that particular mentor went on to teach over 40 years before she wow. chose to retire. Wow. And yeah, I, I, what I'm finding though, and this is kind of why I started this podcast, is that a lot of us, you know, especially in like Gen Z, millennials, we're not trying to stay in a career 40 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with people who do if that, that's their choice. But a lot of times for us, we want different things. You know, job security is great. But when it comes at the expense of like your passions, your desires, um, the flexibility you may crave, um, income, you know. So it's just different reasons why I want teachers to know that when you have to leave, it's okay to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes we have a backup plan. Oftentimes we, we don't. So that kind of goes into my next question. What self-care practices did you implement while you were in the classroom and when you chose to transition out? Honestly, I think my self-care practice while I was in the classroom was choosing to transition out. Um, I'm the kind of person who I like to do well for me, Mm. right? I like to feel successful and be successful because that's something that I like to do for myself. And I drove myself into the ground to have a successful classroom. Um, It got to the point where I was consistently having 10, 11 hour days and then still doing, you know, homework over the weekends. And because I didn't have a teaching degree, I was still doing teaching classes as well. Yeah. Um, And paying out of pocket and maybe maybe getting reimbursed for those things. Um, and I stuck with it for the first year and chose to teach for a second year. And I got partway through the second year and I thought to myself, I can't imagine being 50 and still doing this. I can't, I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine being 35 and still doing this. And I was staring down the barrel of still having to finish to pay for some of these classes. And I was, I literally had a conversation with myself in my room, like, girl, what are you doing? You don't want to do this. Why are you still doing this? And I was balancing the sort of, I don't want to be a quitter for myself. I want to finish something and mm-hmm. and do something, especially because, like I said, I, I really did love working with my kids. And I was not in a situation at a school where I had a very overbearing administration. I had a very supportive administration. The other teachers in my grade and the teachers in my team were wonderful, and yeah. excellent, supportive teachers. Um, but I, I did not have time for self-care. My self-care was going to sleep at 7.30 and getting up at 5, you know. Um, my self-care was a long bath on a Friday, and that was pretty much it. I was, I had, I was too emotionally exhausted I was too mentally exhausted to try to participate in much and much else um and it got to be I guess almost a year ago it was July of 2022 Mm -hmm. and I got this like very very visceral emotional physical illness when I woke up one morning I just felt sick to my stomach and I I had a very clear thought of like you have to call your principal and you have to resign And I told her and I said, I said, this has nothing to do with anything at the school. This has nothing to do with you as an administrator. I've always felt very supported by you. And I've really enjoyed working for you and working with the students that you serve. 
but either I can quit now and give you the time to find a new sixth grade math teacher, or I'm going to be pulling my eyelashes out and running out of the building screaming in November. Wow. I mean, and I, I had enough wherewithal to be like, I have to stop. I had zero plan. I mean, I was, I was working at restaurants uh, over the last six or seven months. I had no plan. Um, and I just knew that I had to get out before it was um, detrimental for myself. You know, I really want to thank you for sharing that because oftentimes there's this misconception that teachers only work their contractual hours, that mm-hmm. teachers only work when the students show up from 7.30 to 3.30 or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's not the case. There's preparing lessons, preparing assessments, professional development training, mm-hmm. um, these things often don't always take place during our planning hour or departmental hour, whatever uh, mm-hmm. each school or district may call it. And they take place after school. We have to do these things over the weekend. And so to your point, yes, those 12 hour days, um, sometimes being the first car in the parking lot and the last one to leave, because we because we know things have to get done in order for us to be effective. When those things aren't done, then it's easy to feel like we're slipping, like we're not giving our students our best, mm-hmm. like we're not being as effective as we could be. And that's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. And that's and not even considering the soccer games you have to work the front desk Mm -hmm. for that's not even considering the panicked and emotional emails you're getting from a child at eight o'clock at night about something right exactly exactly and that's you're just addressing the really practical stuff of teaching and not all of the other things that go into it as well that eat up so much of your time and i don't know about you we don't have a union in north carolina we don't have the opportunity for overtime or anything like that it is that's what that's what you get paid in a, in a in a week. And if you can fit it into 40 hours, then good for you. And if you can't, then either you get it done or you don't. And that's right. a choice you have to make. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm with you. Uh, our we're in the south where I where I was teaching in Northwest Louisiana. We're in the south. So football, baby. <laughs> Working football games that we were we would have to work a certain number of football games each season, a certain number of basketball games each season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the open house event, um, progress report or report card event. Yeah. These were done in my district where the parents would come in the evening um, mm-hmm. on that particular day. So the school day would end and then parents would be able to attend from 3.30 to 6.30 mm-hmm. that evening after you've already taught, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next day, students would be at home um, and parents would be able to come from 8 o'clock to 12 noon. So when you don't have parents constantly in and out taking advantage of this, it's easy to think, why am I sitting here? I could be doing something else. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I'll admit, I'm, I can say this now, I no longer work at that district. I would work on my lesson plans for the next week because I had the time. Yeah. 
And when we talk about writing lesson plans, this is not something that you can just crank out in 15 minutes. If you could, like if there's somebody who's figured that out, please contact me, uh, Martita at askmartitarobbins.com. Email me, tell me how you have figured it out. Um, but writing lesson plans takes time. I often would write lesson plans on a Sunday evening which cuts into family time. Mm-hmm. Or if I chose to do a Saturday morning when my husband's work schedule changed, then that's cutting into my time that I could have been using for something else, mm-hmm. such as self-care. So yeah. since, we're, since we're on the topic, I know that you were saying that you often would not have time for personal self-care because you're mentally, emotionally. Yeah, I just wouldn't have the energy. I, I get it. I get it. And a lot of teachers are in that boat. And so during the pandemic, that's when self-care and education became a buzzword. Like it all, it's, it's existed for decades now, right? People want us to do this, or we are encouraged by experts to do this. And then when the pandemic came, okay, so like go home and do some self-care. And we were like, wait, what? Do what? Mm-hmm. And so I started figuring out what would work for me. I'm like, yes, I'm drained. But right now I can learn how to breathe, like literally doing box breathing techniques, somatic self-care. Yes. I have a I have a passion planner journal. Um, mm-hmm. And I would write in my journal three things I was grateful for because that's all I had the energy to do. Yeah. Pray, you know, I, I firmly believe in a, a spiritual um, life and a walk of faith, but just taking a moment to pray and then, you know, certain things like that, I would have to wedge in. One thing I found to be effective, though, was um, starting my morning just a little bit earlier so I could have some moments to myself. But that didn't always happen. As I got closer and closer to the time of my transition, I found myself clinging to the bed longer each morning, yeah. knowing that I would interfere with the time to get myself mentally emotionally and even physically prepared for the day it's Um, almost like you self-sabotage just so you can get yourself out of it faster if i make this hard if i make this harder for myself then maybe i'll quit you know it's it's a subconscious thing right right and self-sabotaging tendencies can be they seem rewarding in the moment (laughs) your brain your brain tricks you (laughs) It does. So what my last question for you is what boundaries would you suggest for teachers based on your experience? Like how what boundaries can they set either personally or professionally in order to have a thriving career? Um, shut your classroom door. I would say that's the number one thing. Shut your classroom door. Your I'm classroom my hand. door needs to be open. It does not need to be open every second because somebody will walk in there and they'll want to giggle and kiki with you. And that's not the move. Okay. That's not the move because if you want, and and this is coming from somebody, I don't have children. I'm not married. So there wasn't that other separate thing at home for me where I knew that if I didn't get this done during planning period, then I wouldn't be able to spend time with my child or I'd be sacrificing something else later in my day. But I tried my hardest 
to get the most out of when I was in that school building so that I had as little to do to support myself whenever I got home in regards to my job. And the biggest benefit that was was shutting my door. It's great to have a moment, a respite with your fellow teachers or to go and chat with that, you know, veteran teacher across the hall about some of the things that were going on or get some feedback on some some behaviors that you were noticing. But shut your door, turn your lights off, put on your little music, and get done, grade the things you need to get graded, make the quizzes or the cahoots that you need to get made, set up the things and schedule the things that you need to. Um, And then my second advice would be to just take the day off. I know it seems... I know it seems scary, and I was the worst about it. I mean, I was in a major car accident, and I was at work the next day, okay? Wow. I needed needed to hear this. Um, I had a friend who passed away. I was at work the next day just weeping in my classroom. It was a beautiful moment to emotionally connect with my children, and I shared with them what I was experiencing. It was a really Mm -hmm. human moment to share that loss with them, but just take the day off. They can do iReady. They can do whatever little, you know, online thing they need to do or email your team teacher and say, I'm not coming in and I have too much going on. And I'll be honest with you, I could not write a lesson plan. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, there are people there to support you in those moments. But just take the day off. Just take it. Shut your door and take the day off. Yes. I love those two gyms. And I'll even take this step further. One thing I would do when I shut my door to get things done is I would close all the blinds, turn mm-hmm. off all the lights, and I'm sitting behind my computer, and so nobody could see me. And I mm-hmm. would get knocked. I didn't know who was knocking, but I, mean, I, wasn't, I wasn't in the room, air quote. I wasn't mm-hmm. in the room. I'm, you can't bother me. Nope, you can't. All right. So, Emily, we're going to get ready to wrap up. I really do appreciate you joining today and sharing your story, sharing how you've been able to transition um, giving other tips from other uh, to other educators or former educators about how they can implement self-care, how they can set boundaries, and how they can overcome those limiting beliefs. Because if we don't advocate for ourselves and take care of ourselves, then we find ourselves in this vicious cycle of doing the same thing over and over, and we're not getting the results we expect. Absolutely. It makes me think of um, the airplane safety where you have to put your oxygen mask on before you can help somebody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you if you if you got no oxygen, baby, you're not going to make it very far. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're getting ready to end today's episode. Please tune in next week for a new episode. And we look forward to hearing from more teachers transitioning out of the classroom or who've already made that transition, you can find me on all social media platforms as Martita Robbins. You can even send me an email, martita at askmartitarobbins.com. And whatever you choose to do, do something to take care of yourself.